0: Hello and welcome to Talking Aussie Books, a new weekly podcast shining a spotlight on Australian fiction. My name is Claudine Tinellis. As a writer and avid reader, I love chatting about books. And in this podcast, I'll chat to authors, publishers and readers, giving you, dear listener, insight into what's hot on the Australian fiction scene. So if you're looking for your next book recommendation or just want to know more about Aussie fiction writers, this podcast is for you. Grab yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy. So my next guest, Annabelle McInnes, is the author of The Refuge Trilogy, published by Escape Publishing, a digital first imprint of Harlequin Australia. Welcome, Annabelle. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks very much for joining me today.
1: I'm very excited.
0: It's lovely to have you. A prequel without refuge, book number one, True Refuge, book number two, Fractured Refuge, and book number three, Eternal Refuge. All published yeah. in under a year. You've been a very busy woman.
1: <laughs> I was. I was a very busy woman. I didn't have a lot of sleep, um, and uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stress that went into that final book to get to make sure that it was uh, delivered on time. Um, but yes, it was. It was an exciting journey. Absolutely fantastic. So not
0: only is True Refuge your first published book, but it's also a number one Amazon bestseller.
1: Yes, in the US, um, it's also uh, it's also a number one bestseller for paranormal romance for um, for iBooks over in the US as well, and it's reached the top ten here in Australia for dystopian fiction on Amazon as well. So it's it's done really well. Oh, and in the UK, it's also reached um, in the top ten for paranormal romance on the iBooks as well. So it's it's been quite popular, which has been wonderful.
0: That's fantastic. Um, yeah, this must have been an incredible pinch me moment.
1: <laughs> when I first saw that little orange tag, when you get you get a little orange tag when you um, on your Amazon profile when you hit that. That number one, um, and I saw that at about five a.m. in the morning, I had a I had a promotion going, and I was hoping that the promotion would would set off um, set something in motion, and I refreshed my little um, my phone, and there it was, and my poor husband woke up to quite a squeal. So it was uh, it was a very exciting yes. I
0: I can only imagine. And I've just discovered today that the prequel, uh, Without Refuge, also won a place in the Spicy Bites Competition 2017. It is. It
1: and has now been yeah.
0: published in an anthology,
1: Yes. Yes. I actually just got my rights back to that in August. Um, and so I will be planning to do something with it. I'm not sure at this point in time. Um, I'll, I'm, uh, yeah, I'll probably speak to my publisher to see what, what we can do with it. But uh, yes, so that was, that was also pretty special as well. Yeah.
0: Indeed. Now for the benefit of listeners who aren't familiar with your books, can you tell me a little bit about the series?
1: um so the series is i suppose gritty dark detailed challenging i suppose it shines a light uh it shines a light on the darkest part of our nature it just explores what would happen if society and its governments crumbled along with um all of our um, other traits like ultras ultralism and benevolence um in my stories i like to dissect Societal norms and place my characters in extreme situations where they fight for the, their lives, the people they love, and their very humanity. Um, my books will take you on a very hard journey, but I promise that there's a happily ever after in the end because they are very much a romance and they do follow those romance themes. So, yes, I, I do take people on a journey, but um, but yes, they can they can rest assured that there will be a happy ending.
0: Fantastic. So, if I just focus on book number one, True Refuge, for now, yes. Um, mm-hmm. As you've indicated, um, the world that you paint is quite a dark one. A, yes, a post-apocalyptic existence where humans are stripped of the more redeeming qualities of our race, and everyday survival is a battle. Could I yes. ask you what inspired you to write this story?
1: Oh, um, so I had a number of inspirations. So I um, left. I, I lived in a youth refuge from the age, age of sixteen. And during that time, I was surrounded by, oh, I suppose, a section of society that that most people kind of never get to see. And part of that was really um, people living in their most extreme conditions, um, whether that be poverty, mental health, um, uh, you know, th- those sort of traits um, from, coming from domestic violence and things like that. And I really saw quite an extreme and lived within quite an extreme um uh, you know where where lots of people's true nature really came out. Um, couple that with I love science fiction. Um, growing up and really adored, um, you know, Game of Thrones when it first you know when it went, when it was in its infancy before it became the the, the sensation that it that it is. Um, the Lord of the Rings. I'm uh, just trying to think. Anything by Raymond E. Feist. And I so I came up with those big worlds and those big concepts and and then and then I discovered romance and, and that's what I've been missing from all those really big epic tales of struggle and, and I suppose I just looked at it Looked at those things that I loved, so that science fiction. I looked at the the experiences that I had, so those people that have really um, shown the the depth of human emotion in its most extreme. And then I looked at romance, and I thought, you know what, I can create. I can create tales that really pull at people's heartstrings and, and really make people think about what it means to be human, what it means to fall in love in those extreme situations, what it means to try and retain that love and keep that love um, and as well as keeping those people alive um, in the same time. So, yeah, I suppose that's where it all came from. Fantastic.
0: Fascinating. Well, moving <laughs> on to your hero, yes. Ewan. Yes. Um, Ewan is an intriguing character. Yes. He's this larger-than-life person with a very strong protective instinct, a person who's faced down some horrific events in his own life and sports more than his share of battle scars and yet manages to retain his humanity. Mm. Is he modelled on a real-life person?
1: Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) Um, He is in some respects, I suppose. um, I, I... I find each of my own characters are a section of me so so he's that real um, protective um, aspect that I have. He doesn't come from anybody in particular uh, I suppose he's just an accumulation of of every every person I've wanted in my life It's probably a good aspect um, he 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 epitomizes for me that that hero in every sense of the word that comes to provide safety and sanctuary he is the refuge I suppose that's that's essentially what the book is about he he is the refuge he is that that central place he thinks that it's everybody else in the story but it's Mm. not it's him he's that protective protective um caring generous person and 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 he essentially is is my entire story so Mm. um so that's i suppose he just comes from everything that i i wanted a hero to be really
0: yeah absolutely and in in creating this dystopian world for you and Mm. nick and then kira what factors influenced you
1: uh so the road in terms of the actual landscape itself the 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 book the road by Cormac McCarthy Mm -hmm. I adored that book it it ruined me reading it in terms of because it's such a harrowing tale um and now as a parent I could probably never read it again (laughs) but um but uh but it it blew my mind in terms of narrative in terms of um there's nothing happens in that book if that makes sense It's it's just a section in time it's so poignant um and I just found it I just found it so brilliant I I, I just loved it and I thought it that was the first post-apocalyptic book I'd ever read yeah. and I it really just stopped me in my tracks um and then from there the pop culture surrounding post-apocalyptic worlds and zombies really started to take off so The Walking Dead was very very popular when yeah. I started writing this and so there you so you know you'll probably notice that there's some themes I actually started writing this with zombies but I'm actually afraid of zombies so I took them all out um so so it definitely had that that feeling about it and then um and so but the road was definitely that that yeah that essential thing yeah. yeah
0: well I'm glad they went zombies
1: <laughs> in it. No, can imagine zombies too. that would have that would have made it even more harrowing poor poor characters they would never have survived uh,
0: so I guess in in reading about this world that you created I wondered whether or not it was a metaphor for aspects of contemporary society yeah. or whether you thought it was a glimpse of what our world might look like in the future if we don't take care of it
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what I really wanted to explore was what happens to so so if we wiped so what's what's really important? Uh, well, how can I explain? This? So there's a lot of toxic masculinity that's really um, quite um, topical right now, and we can see it in in so many again pop culture references. So the the Handmaid's Tale is 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 quite uh, a, a top. A, very, very point. A very, very uh, high standing sort of um, narrative at this point in time, and obviously in our political space as well. So that that toxic masculinity was really quite um, uh, in my mind, and then, uh, but I thought, what? But that's only such a small piece of um, what it is to be. Um, I suppose human, or or even just to be a man. So I thought, what happens if I do take away all the women from the world? What happens to the ordinary man, the man who are our husbands, who love women, who who are compassionate, who are caring, who are protective? What happens to them when we when we take away such a an, a vital aspect of our species, of our character, of our society? What happens when we take that away? Um, so yes, it was kind of a reflection of of the escalation of toxic masculinity and what happens Um, and sort of seeing that even, and I wanted to sort of portray that even though, you you know, you don't nest, good men can still thrive and good men can still overpower bad men and good men can still, um, you know, take the world by storm. Um, I won't spoil the ending, um, but good women can as well. Um, And working together, they can create, uh, you know, they they can save the world, essentially. But but very much that was the, the, the conception of where that sort of came from.
0: Moving on, concerning the darker elements of this story, mm. the, the violence, uh, the depravity mm. in some instances, yes. as an author, where do you need to go in order to be able to write about such events? Is this something that you have to prepare for or to research? I mean, I know you've told me a little about, you know, your experiences growing up, mm. but I yes. wondered, you know,
1: now how do I physically write them yeah absolutely you know I find the intimate scenes far more grueling than I find the violence I can write violence quite (laughs) it sounds terrible I can write violence quite easily um, in terms of um, I have to make sure that the physical body works as it does when you write it versus you know um, what it physically can do but it's the it's the intimate scenes that I find very, very difficult. And, and if I reflect on that, I, I, you know, I probably could string out a couple of, you know, um, what's the word, you know, um, things about myself about that. But, but it's definitely, um, I have, I can only write it in one section and usually I write them once. So most of my, my, the, the style of my, well, the way I write is I, I, I write quite a number of drafts, and I go over and over and over and over and over them again. When it comes to those types of scenes, the intimate scenes and the violent scenes, I tend to only, I tend to not have to redo them. They come out in one big lump, and they they're usually quite clean in terms of the editing, um, and I only have to do sort of minor copy edits. And but I can't I can't break them, I suppose, and I just have to make sure that I'm in a nice quiet space in order to make them happen
0: it's fair to say that these books are a spicy read in terms of Mm. the relationship between you and Nick and then later Kira. Yes. Um, It's a very intense relationship born of a very unique set of circumstances. Um, Mm. Was this your intention while you were writing?
1: Um, I actually intended it to be a lot spicier. I actually took out, I took out quite a number of uh scenes not necessarily spicy scenes but certainly more intimate scenes um i ended up taking them out both on i didn't feel that they're appropriate for the tone of the book the the that first half or that first 40 percent is quite uh intense and i didn't feel that that a line of sexual tension in there was appropriate um that does ramp up towards the end but but, again, it's funny because it ended up being, you know, a lot less than what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be much higher on the heat scale, as they say in the romance world. Um, but in the end, and in the end, the entire series is actually, even though it, it does have quite detailed elements, they're actually very small in number mm-hmm. in, terms of, um, in terms of that. So, so it's a lot less than I thought it was going to be in the beginning.
0: Okay. Um, You've recently attended the Romance Writers of Australia Conference in Sydney and I understand that True Mm -hmm. Refuge was nominated for a Ruby, which is a Romantic Book of the Year Award. So you were a finalist, is that right?
1: I was, yes, in the Long Romance category, which is – so they have four categories. They have the Long, the Short, the Novella and the the Romantic Elements – and the long or well, they're both pretty uh well yeah so so yes yeah, so I so yes yeah, so I was the uh, yeah nominated in the long in the long category for that one.
0: And how did that feel? <laughs> it,
1: felt pretty it felt pretty amazing it was in the same week that I got the number one um bestseller on Amazon I I found out that I was a Uh, and a a finalist in the same week so I felt pretty overwhelmed to be honest it was a big it was a big week that week Uh, especially because I hadn't really been tracking very well in terms of sales up until that point so we had the big promotion and and that really um, skyrocketed me in terms of um, in terms of uh, visibility yeah and then and then once you're once you're very visible on Amazon, Amazon then uses that to their advantage, I suppose, and they they start promoting you through their um, also boards and things like that. So you, you see this wonderful trail on effect. But but I hadn't had that for a long time and I was feeling quite quite lost. And then within a week I had the I had the, the Amazon rankings and then I had the Ruby nomination and it was, it was quite, it was quite overwhelming. I actually had to pull myself back from social media for a little bit because I found that I just had to immerse myself so deeply in that for, for such a little while, while I obviously thanked everybody for their kind comments and, and I had a lot of new readers that were really excited and they were emailing me and tweeting me and it was wonderful. Um, and so I was quite immersed and then I had to pull back because it was, it was quite, it was quite overwhelming.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Um, I understand there's more than like a thousand members of Romance Writers of Australia from all over the world um, and uh, boasting many well-known author names amongst its ranks uh, from across many different genres. I wanted to ask you, what is it that, what is it do you think about romance writing that makes it so popular amongst authors today?
1: Uh, Well it's the happily ever after. Um, I think love stories are integral to our lives. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that love stories are everywhere we look. Um, you know, we see them in our, 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 parents, our grandparents, we see them in our friends, we see them for ourselves. Um, and I think, I think women's stories are so are very very powerful. I think women achieving their goals, whether that be in life and in love, um, is very powerful. I think in this point in time, in our current climate, to see women triumphing over over adversity is extremely powerful. And and women read, and we want to read stories that reflect ourselves, and we also want to re- read stories where we can um, we can imagine you know better better places better things and and I think I think being able to really take that and and then stretch it and and stretch it to the stars and stretch it to the past and you know all those sort of in between so we we get all of our the genres that we love um, but we also get the stories that we love too Um, and that's what romance is about it's about Um, you know making sure that that we get our voices heard and and um, and yes and absolutely that we get a happily ever after.
0: Fantastic. Yes. Uh, So where to from here Annabelle what what else is in the pipeline for you?
1: Well I do I have another series Um, I actually when I went down to the Romance Writers of Australia um, conference there was a number of pitching opportunities so I've um, so I'm I was successful in some of those so I'm just working now towards that um making sure that my current so I have a five book another speculative fiction romance this one will be based around the matriarchal society Mm -hmm. and in a futuristic landscape so my last one's very much around a patriarchal society and what that looked like in a in a futuristic landscape and so this one I flipped it on its head Mm -hmm. um and it will be a five book well uh, I'm planning for it to be a five book series and it will, um, yeah, and it, uh, yeah. So, so I'll make some final touches and then start seeing it out to my publisher and and go from there and see and see where it will end up. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Well,
0: that's amazing news, Annabelle. I I can't wait to read what's next for you. Thank you. Um, yes, amazing. If listeners wanted to connect with you or to learn more about your books, where can they find you, Annabelle?
1: So. Uh, so I'm on Facebook under Annabelle McInnes. I'm on Twitter. My ha- my handle is AK McInnes. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Goodreads. And I think that's it. I think that's the ones that I'm on. Yeah. I'm also on Pinterest, but I'm 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 not as active on there. But yes, those are the ones that I'm on.
0: Fantastic, Annabelle. Congratulations on a Thank brilliant you. start to your career. And anyone who's looking for Annabelle's eBooks, you can go to www.romance.com.au where you'll find a list of e-retailers from which you can download Annabelle's books. Annabelle, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, that's a
0: wrap, folks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or drop me a line via my Instagram at Claudine Tinellis or on my webpage, Claudinetinellus.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.